This is episode 12. I first heard this gentleman's music back in 2014 when I discovered his album, New Hometown. Since then, he's moved from Atlanta to Nashville, worked his booty off writing music, and is about to release his third studio album, Burnin' Moonlight, this coming December. This is Connor Christian of the Southern Gothic. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I say us. It's just you and I, but, you know, I pretend like there's more people involved. It's the royal <laughs> we. I understand. Yeah. Um, so, it's so interesting because, well, number one, I'm super excited to have this interview with you because I've been such a fan of your music for so long, and as much as it pains me, I do have to give credit to an ex-boyfriend. That's how I learned about your music. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I, I was, uh, I, I was, you know, as I was getting ready to come down to the studio, um, I was talking to my wife and I was like, I don't remember how I met Maggie. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I was like, Charleston, something maybe through Catherine. I don't know. Yeah. So it's so weird. I, um, and we're obviously not going to give this gentleman credit. He's, he's lovely. Um, but this is actually when I lived in Atlanta in, okay. uh, oh my gosh, yeah, 2014, I guess. And he would send me more of your like sweeter, more romantic songs, which mm-hmm. was always really great. And it just, I just had to sit down and digest the whole album, New Hometown. And it wasn't until I got to the song, New Hometown, the title track. And you have this line in the song that says, a little dirty blues will make her loose in my hand. And I, I quoted that right, correct? Did I quote Close. That? Close. Close. Close enough. <laughs> Wait, what is the line? Uh, make her, uh, a little dirty blues will make them lose their mind. No! Honestly, I, don't, I, I was just going to let you go with it. I, was just, I just wanted you to go with where, where you're going to take it. It's fine. Well, as I say, both lines, um, both lines are very true. So, but that was the song where I was like, wait a minute, I got to digest this entire album. And ever since then, I was like, just a huge fan. Love the songwriting. I love the vibe. Um, really gritty honest songwriting and so because of that let's go way back way back in the day of your life and let's talk about your earliest memory of music um man my earliest memory of music that's a tough one um you know uh because I know there was there were some really formative stuff but um I uh so when I got married, my mom gave my wife this uh, uh, book of um, like pictures and like stuff of me through the years. And one of them was this like big construction paper that had been folded in half. And on the outside it says, what do you want to be when you grow up? Miss Lombardi's first grade class. Uh, and then I open it up and it's a, you know, cart- uh, a crayon drawing of myself with a microphone that says, I want to be a famous musician and take Michael Jackson's place. Wow. Not sure which place king of pop i i don't know neverland ranch i'm not sure which one i wanted but i know I, I wanted that so in first grade so um 
you know, I know I had those really early, uh, you know, attachments to music growing up the way I did, um, being, living in all these different countries. And then in some instances, like moving really every few months to a new country, um, the, having that like music that sort of tied you back to where you were from was, uh, at least for me, that was like my tether back to, you know, the U S back to home. Um, so, uh, music just always been super important to me in, in that way. And so, cause you've mentioned moving around a lot and you did as a child and what age would you say that you kind of were able to put down some roots? Would you say? Um, it's tough to say. Um, when I was 18, I moved to Atlanta and I was there for a long time. I was there in Atlanta for 17 years, something like that. So that was, I guess, when I finally like found a spot. And I had lived briefly in Atlanta two times before that, you know, with my folks um, as I was growing up and we were moving around and such. So, um, yeah, so Atlanta kind of ended up being home. It wasn't where any of my family was from, but, you know, it was a place I had a lot of friends and had stayed in touch and that kind of thing. And because of the moving around and being exposed to different cultures, different types of music, how has that influenced your relationship with music? So um, I think so. Uh, the majority of my young childhood, I lived in Asia mm-hmm. and um, there were these shops uh, in Korea. I lived in Seoul where you would go in and they would just have, pictures of like all the current cassettes oh, yeah, that were out at the time this is the 80s um, and they would have like pictures of the, of the front you know the artists and the title and the back would be like the track listing and you went in there with your blank tapes and you told them what you wanted yeah that's <laughs> serious yes you told them what you wanted and the same thing with movies you took your vhs tape in and told them three movies and they would put them on your on your vhs and um you know, intellectual property rights weren't really a thing in Asia at the time, uh, it seems. But um, anyway, all that to say um, that uh, going kind of going back to the theme of, uh, of music being the thing that like brought me back home, that you walk into a, a music store in the States and it's like, here's the R&B, here's the pop, here's the rock, here's heavy metal. And they break it down into smaller and smaller categories all the time. Um, and uh, over there, it'd be like, u.s music you know in this area so like you know i'd have you know the bangles i'd have you know um run dmc i'd have you know like whatever and it was just like american music it's like, oh this is like this is what's happening back home you know and that kind of thing um but at the same time it was the reason i missed a lot of stuff i think I was like, I had so many uh, movie soundtracks. That was like one of the biggest things you'd find um, overseas is like the American movie soundtrack. So like, who's that girl, the Madonna? It's like, it was a whole album, Madonna songs. It was just a soundtrack. It was like uh, uh, the La Bamba soundtrack. It was Footloose soundtrack, all that stuff. I was like super into that stuff. Um, and that, you know, that also kind of would spread the genres around, but there'd be stuff you missed. Like when I moved back to the States, um, I saw MTV for the first time and um, and at the time they were putting, they were premiering a video 
for patients by Guns N' Roses. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of Guns N' Roses, you know, and they'd had like the biggest album in the world for like an entire, you know, 12 months before, you know, leading up to that. And I just never even heard of them. So, um, so, you know, it was sort of the, the, it was the push and pull of that. Like I would miss some really like big stuff. And like, also I would like catch a bunch of stuff that, I think, you know, like a middle school, elementary school, you know, boy in the suburbs probably wouldn't have, like, listened to, so. Mm -hmm. And so, from there, you said that you, will say, set up some roots in Atlanta. Yeah. And so, is Atlanta maybe the city that you really started to get your experience with playing music? Um and the reason I'm asking is because when I was doing my research, my stalking of you, okay. I did not realize that you were the house cover band for Dixie Tavern. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Dixie Tavern back in the day. I was like. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was Zach on Thursdays and us on Saturdays every week for, for, you know, we were there for about a year and a half and then he started doing Thursdays and. That lasted for about three years with both of us playing there every week. Wait, you said Zach. You're talking about Zach Brown? Yeah. No, I didn't know that either. But he was the Thursday night house man there for like three years. Yeah. He was Thursday and you said you were Friday? We were Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Everybody needed to take a breath on Friday. It was like, uh, it, was, it was like, you know, packed to the gills every Thursday and Saturday. So, uh, shit. so then, yeah. what, how does that, because I feel like a lot of musicians obviously start in bars, start as cover bands, house bands, and how does that help you as a musician make your own individual sound and also try and push you towards the bigger picture of make, of creating your own music? And because it's always, I feel like a little bit of a stepping stone to the bigger picture. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I had been, joining all these bands and um you know strictly original bands and we've been doing pretty well and we're touring and you know like but you're like doing pretty well at like 18 19 year old level you know like you're three guys living in a two-bedroom apartment and like all the bills are paid mostly so like that's like you know it's a big win so there was that and then uh um i uh buddy at, at my day job you know, try, I was passing out flyers trying to get my, you know, co-workers to come see my band, you know how it goes. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, he came and saw me and he, you know, he was talking to me after the thing. He's like, hey, so I'm, you know, I'm playing this gig at Jocks and Jill's every Friday and my partner dropped out, you know, it's like, you know, do you want to come and play covers? I was like, what's covers? I didn't even know the term. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, then he, he explained it to me. I was like, oh yeah, I know a lot of songs. I don't know a lot of, you know, new song I learned, you know, it's how you learn to play guitar. Um, I know tons of songs and, uh, and then he told me that, you know, we each get 150 bucks. I was like, and they fed you. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like that's a thing you can do for money. So, you know, like that was, that was the, like the first cover gig was a big turning point in my life to where I was like, I'm not going to work a shitty day job. I'm just not going to do it. You know, like as soon as, as soon as I figured out I could do this. And he introduced me to a few people and I got some gigs. That was it. I was like, never worked another job again, um, you know, for the next 20 years. So, um, 
you know, I think that's in and of itself, just, you know, it just changed my life so much, just being able to do that. And then, you know, and then being able to work out your sound, figure out what the hell your sound is, you know, like, uh, um, you know, I was into like, you know, when I was young, I was into like the hard rock stuff. And then um, I got asked to join a band uh, that already had a record deal and they were like uh, 311 sounding stuff. And I was like, not really my thing, but they're super popular. So why not? Right. So I did that. And like, so I don't, you know, and I was always 17, 18, 19, 20 years old and, and all these dudes bands that were five, 10 years older than me and they'd paid their dues and they knew what they wanted to do. And so I was doing their vision. And then when we started getting those long house gigs where we'd be, um, you know, doing three or four hours a night, it was, you could figure out what your sound was. You could like play these covers and then write songs and then try them in the middle of your cover set. And you're like, nope, didn't like that. That didn't feel good. And then, um, you know, then one day you write a song, it's like, it's kind of country song. I'll see if people dig that. And then people dig it. And you're like, all right, I'll I'll do another one like that. And then, you know, you try that and you're like, okay, wait, too far, too far, too far. All right, come back toward the middle, you know, whatever it is. Um, So, you know, those, those, whatever it was, four and a half years of of playing every Saturday at Dixie kind of combined with the uh, Wild Wing Cafe circuit. Every week we would do Thursday and Friday night at the Wild Wing and Saturday uh, at Dixie. And then it started, you know, then, then it started to become, 50-50 50-50 with originals and then we stopped doing the Wild Wing Cafes and, and you know then we moved to like mostly original gigs except for Saturdays at Dixie where we do the covers and then you know and then one you know bar, bar brawl later we don't work at Dixie anymore um, and then, so we're then we're forced to forced to go like fully legit with originals. So, so are you saying that you guys y'all the band started a a bar fight or it was less that we we didn't start it it was less that we started it and more that we exacerbated the situation <laughs> um you know uh you know when 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 fight started like fight started kind of in the crowd in front of us based on a dude who kept trying to get on stage and i wasn't nice about it you know after the fourth or fifth time um but uh, anyway, instead of calming things down and getting on the mic and being like, yo, 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 people, let's cool this out. I turned around. And I said, bulls on parade, two, three, four. And it just like, it was like, I mean, just tossing a can of gasoline right on the campfire. And, uh, and that was it. That was our last night playing at Dixie Tavern. Well, you know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, we played there a few times since. Everybody's cool now. But uh, the manager called me and she's like, you know, I got to fire you, right? I'm like, no. She's like, come on. She's like, that was like, she's like, people got, somebody got stabbed with somebody's keys. Like, yeah. She's like, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll say my bad on that one. That's my fault. I was young. Well, I mean, if we've learned anything of years of being in bars, you know, it's legally, you have to be the one that throws the first punch. And since you weren't, you're not legally liable for anything. So you're kind of in the clear, you know? Right, right. Um, I think the I think the thing was that they thought maybe Dixie would be liable if they, and they might have, and they might have, I, you know, I was mad about it for a minute. And then we all, we all hugged and made up and we've been back to Dixie, you know, plenty of times to play. Uh, since then just we usually like uh 
throw up a fake name. Like sometimes we call ourselves Creeper or uh, Shooter McGavin sometimes. Yeah. Um, we just go in and play a bunch of like, you know, cover songs and, and uh, you know, just for fun. Okay. So then from your years of playing as a cover band, you know, yeah. there's always I feel like one cover song that's really fucking annoying. And obviously you always hear like Freebird and now I feel like it's Wagon Wheel. Like our right. generation is Wagon Wheel, which I'm really over that song. Sorry, everybody. So is there another cover song that you're like, I'm not doing this. I have to put my foot down. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously like Wagon Wheel and, and here was the thing with Wagon Wheel um, <laughs> was that someone someone gave me back in like 2002 gave me a cassette of old crow doing wagon wheel and we started doing that song like when that album came out we were already doing it based on their like home demo tapes Mm -hmm. um and so then it started to get popular and then when darius rucker had a hit with it i got no less than 25 texts and phone calls saying oh my god somebody did your song just because we like got known for that song, um, you know, because we had all the right instrumentation. We had, you know, somebody to play the banjo, somebody to play the fiddle. And so we would just do like these really like super faithful version of, you know, Old Crow version of it. And so people, when they heard the Old Crow version, they thought it was us. And, uh, and when they heard the Darius Rucker version, they thought I was rich. Yeah. No such luck. <laughs> uh, but funny enough, here in Nashville, um, the house right behind me, you know, we in Nashville, I don't know, you know, if it's like where, where you live, but the houses are now like front and back and side to side. All So uh, my behind me neighbor is one of the dudes from Old Crow. Um, the school my daughters go to was started and he's the like head of uh, school is Catch Secor, the singer from Old Crow too. Wow. So I got all the Old Crow uh, roots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then obviously you guys are going to need to get together and do a cover collab of Wagon Wheel together. Something or something else. Um, and, and honestly, uh, there was a couple of months ago, I guess a couple of months ago, it was right before COVID. Um, I've got some video of my, um, my middle daughter playing Purple Rain with him, with Ketch. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then right after that, he decided to play Wagon Wheel and he asked, he's like, can, he's got his banjo. He's like, can somebody know this one? I'm like, all right, you know, I know it. So I'll play it, you know. Uh, and so I'm playing Wagon Wheel um, and then we get to the chorus and Catch like jumps up to the harmony. And, all right, I guess I'm singing this motherfucker now. So, uh, so you know, it's, so I already kind of have. And then after the thing, everybody like, Everybody in the room, there's a ton of people there, all sent me videos of my daughter playing with Catch, and nobody took a video of me doing Wagon Wheel with, with this guy that sings Wagon Wheel. It's like, you guys are dicks, man. Oh, what friends are you guys? Look at all the your cute kid. Oh, this, this might be a moment you'll want to remember. All right, thanks, guys. Cool. <laughs> when your daughter is now cooler than you are, and you're like, yeah, all right, I'll accept that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, she is cooler than me. She's, uh, she plays drums and sings in a band as well. Um, she just turned nine like two weeks ago. And she's like, the yeah, she's like lead singer and drummer. Um, 
And I'm not going to put anybody on blast here, but one of the girls that plays keyboard in the band, her dad is the drummer of a very famous band. And he's going to, ha- he needs to, he needs to be harder on his kids, man. Come on. Come on. You're a famous drummer. Your kids should not be backing, backing this one up. You need to step it up, step it up. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't, we won't, he'll, this person will rena- remain nameless. Cause now I'm like, oh, who could this be? And I'm like, no, you know, right. well, I, I, I mean, I, I guarantee even if this person like heard the thing, no, I did no idea who I am or that, that I'm talking about him. So it's, it's fine. We're, we're good for all you guys know. I made this up right now just to, just to brag on my daughter. So who knows? Well, and she's nine. So yeah. I, 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 that's, to me, I'm like, God, isn't that so young to be in a band? But I'm like, I mean, is she also talking to you about like her future goals of being a musician or is this for fun you think, or what's the impression you're getting from her? I mean, she's done a ton of, um, like a ton of theater. Um, and so I think, I think if you gave her the choice being lead singer of a band or getting the lead in a play, she'd pick the play. Mm. Uh, but uh, but I think for her, it's all kind of of a piece. And she prefers the theater end, but but loves the rock and roll end of it, too. So Yeah. Uh, How can you not? Yeah. You got to love yeah. rock and roll. <laughs> right. If you, especially if you got rhythm and you, you can play drums and you have parents willing to buy you a set of drums or that have their own sets of drums that you can play on. Yep. That, I think, is... Uh, that's, that's big. Yeah. So we talked about Atlanta we talked about some of the early years of your life. And so you are currently in Nashville. This is where you live yeah. now. Yeah. And we want to fast forward and talk about the new album. I mentioned it in the intro, Burn and Moonlight is going to be out in December. Yep. And let's talk about, so you're going to have a single first. We are. Okay. Let's talk about the single. We, so, um, and we actually put a single out in January from the record and, uh, we thought the record was coming out in May and then, and then the COVID. So, um, and you know, it just didn't seem like the right time to, to release this, you know, first album in a whole bunch of years or whatever. Um, first EP at least. So, um, anyway, so we put that out and that's, you know, that's really done well for us. It's, you know, um, whatever, a couple hundred thousand streams. And, um, so then now we're pushing, you know, what we think is our like, you know, a radio song. It's going to come out um, at the end of October, and uh, and then in November there'll be a video for that. It's called "Past Midnight," um, and that's where the the album title comes from. It's it's a line from the from the tune. So um, yeah, that's kind of our like, "Hey, we're back" song. And so, how yeah. is this going to be? And because you said between this album and your previous album, how many years has it been? It's been two, three years. Well, since the Southern Gothic put out a record, it's been since 2013. Okay. So seven years since the since we did did a record record. I did um, kind of a record of, of demos I put out uh, called Skeletons um, a while back, and then we just re released it, uh, remastered it, and put it back out on on uh, just kind of. Re- back um so um yeah that was in 2017 so yeah it's been- yeah 
how it's been a while. So it's been four years since I put out any, any new music. And Southern Gothic had a had a one single, you know, uh, before this record that was just kind of a standalone single. And uh, it was fun. It was a song um, that was co-written uh, with uh, the guys who used to be in the band and uh, Jeff Spirko and um, uh, Ron Pope, who's a really killer Americana artist. And, and they wrote a tune um, and it, you know, didn't feel like Ron. They thought it felt more like Southern Gothic. And that was kind of our, that was kind of our, you know, dipping our toe back in the water and seeing what worked and what didn't. And uh, yeah, so now here we are ready to, ready to put this new thing out. And I think, uh, I think each of the songs is really cool. Um, together make a, like a really, really cool tapestry and, and uh, you know, and I don't know, like, create a mood to me they're all of a of a vibe i guess each of the individual songs on the album are kind of a different vibe no no i'm saying they're all of a of like a similar similar vibe like they're i don't know like they're the songs are very different but i think they like together when put together and you listen to them all six in a row they kind of create kind of a you know yep. an emotional you know uh thing i don't know i don't know the word i'm looking for but uh a cohesive piece of work yeah, yeah. So, what are you hoping with this new album? Since it has been a while, and I know we can't get away from talking about COVID. I feel like, yep. especially people in the music industry, like I'm, we're all tired of talking about it. We're ready to get back to work. We're ready for shows and music be released. What are you hoping? Post, I'm doing my my in quotes. Post COVID. <laughs> Going into new year, new album. What are we hoping for? Well, I'll say that um, that I feel like for some reason during COVID, um, we've been seeing uh, you know a lot of a lot of new interest um, or rekindled interest from the UK, from um, Europe in general, Western Europe in general, and uh, you know I think that we'd like to maybe you know, get out there and, and, and see if that's a, you know, see what kind of market that is for us. Um, I think, um, you know, for, for Sean and myself, especially we've been doing Southern Gothic since, um, you know, we've been playing together since 2004 and we've just been the Southern Gothic since about 2007. So, um, you know, for, for us, um, you know, regardless of other projects we've been doing myself writing for other people um you know sean's had some really cool bands he's been playing with uh, the rare birds and a few others um and you know we still felt like we have some unfinished business like we're not southern gothic's not done so we just want to get out there and and really just uh i don't know i you know i don't, I don't have any you know i'm not trying to win a grammy you know, that's not the, that's not the goal. I, you know, I'd love to get back on tour at some point. Uh, but obviously that's, that's not a, an option right now, or at least not an option I'm willing to, um, you know, look into. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I think for us, it's just, it's just to kind of like remind everybody what we do and show them kind of how we've grown in the past, uh, several years. And then, you know, hopefully this will lead to being able to, uh, make some more records and, and uh, spend some more time doing doing music with my life. So what um, what kind of growth do you think's occurred from the previous Southern Gothic album to Burn a Moonlight? Well, so um, 
as you know, if you've listened to New Hometown, there's a lot of tunes on that mm-hmm. um, on that record. Um, but uh, one song on there that's called Hotel Bar. That was the first song I ever wrote with another person. Um, and I wrote that song with uh, uh, Channing Wilson, who's uh, he's written uh, written written some songs for some other artists, and um, he's an amazing artist. And I guess he's, he hasn't really hadn't really taken that step to the stardom yet, but I think that he he really might. But uh, anyway, so it's the first time I'd ever written a song with another person. I'd either written a song or I performed somebody else's song. So, um, you know, from that eight on, in 2020, um, I don't at all anymore. Um, and I've, I've learned to kind of, I don't know, I've, I've learned to put a finer tip on, you know, if you listen to New Hometown, the album is kind of all over the map, different kinds of styles and, you know, I feel like I, I'm, I, I've been able to kind of take those disparate styles for this song, this style for this song, this style for this song, and maybe kind of meld those into a thing where this one song, you know, has a little feel of, of different styles that kind of embody what, what I'm about. Mm-hmm. So how has it been? Like, how do you approach songwriting then? Because it's such a personal thing just music in general creating your own art creating your own work and being able to effectively work with another person to produce something that you're pleased with with that with something that they're pleased with um how do you go about that personally so that you feel like you've created a successful piece of work well, um, I think the first thing is, and it's the number one lesson I've, I've learned in Nashville is dare to be stupid. Like, don't, don't not say something. Don't not explore an idea because you feel like you might, it might be foolish or somebody might laugh at it. And like, you got to put your pride aside if you're writing with other people and just, you know, try things and, and be open to things. And um, in the same way that when you're, when you're playing basketball it's great to have a star but if you if you don't play like a team you're you're not going to be able to take it to you know certain you know past a certain degree the same thing with a song it's not about it's not about your line it's not about you know having your fingerprints on the song it's about finding the best thing if you're writing with two or three other people you have to understand it's unlikely most of the time that your idea just based on statistics is going to be the one that's the right idea for that section and honestly if it's your idea too much of the time like maybe you're writing with the wrong people and you need to step up your game and write with some better writers that can challenge you and push you um and so yeah so i I think those are the those are the top two uh top two things for me is it's just you know pride's got to be off the table um and, uh, you know, you, you've got to be willing to, uh, you know, to take some risks. And that's, you know, that's been my approach to songwriting. I think uh, a lot more now um, when I'm writing songs by myself, uh, that's when I write the story songs, things that maybe have some um, attachment to, you know, something that, that has happened to me. And when I'm writing with other people, it's more aimed at uh, um, those universal 
moments that everybody has and and that way when i'm talking with you and you and i are writing the song and be like you know when this you know when you have this and you're you know so um you know and then finding between two or three or four people a way to express that in a way that we think that you know most people can you know can relate to um and that they can sing along to too that's the other (laughs) for that equation you need that participation yeah. So how has it been moving from uh, Atlanta to Nashville? Because um, it's going to make you step up your game. And in the terms of songwriting and just you mentioned having a level of humility and going in when you're working with other people. How has that changed? Maybe not necessarily your songwriting, but just your music game in general, moving to well, the city. Yeah. Well, you know, you had to like first you got you're always going to be reminded you know that you know okay cool you you know you won best singer in your town a couple of years for you know the local free weekly you know creative loafing or whatever and you moved here and you're like yeah you're mediocre you're like you're all right but check this guy out you know oh my god that guy can sing and then like you know three weeks later it's like you know oh, that was Luke Combs and Hurricane's now a huge song. And, you know, like, it's like you see people and you play writer's rounds with them and six months later you see them on television. And, uh, you know, it's like, yep, yeah, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to work a whole lot harder uh, than I did back in Atlanta, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, you, you think about, okay, Atlanta's got six million people and Nashville's got one. So it's like you're going to go to being in this little pond, but man, this pond's got sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is such a true statement. Uh, So would you recommend to maybe musicians and songwriters that maybe live in Charleston, where I'm currently living, um, even Atlanta, I mean, would you recommend people moving to Nashville if this is something that they really want to seriously pursue? Do they need to be there to, to be successful, in your opinion? I think so. Um, you know, um, you know, I think if you, unless, you know, you happen to like live in Charleston, like, you know, two houses down from Wyatt Durrett and he wants to write with you, just stay in Charleston and write with Wyatt, you know, like he'll like get your songs on the radio for you. And then, and then you move to Nashville with a, you know, with a big publishing deal. But, um, for anyone who's not quite that lucky, um, I think, you do need to be here and you do need to be prepared to get out and like be at the bar. You don't have to drink or, you know, be drunk or any of that stuff. That's not your thing, but you're going to have to be in the places where the other songwriters are. You're going to have to support them and, you know, check out their songs and like, you know, you know, find the people that, that can help you, you know, improve your craft and, and try to find a way, um, to somehow simultaneously not annoy them and get them to come, you know, get them to invite you to a write, which is a, a long and delicate dance in this town. So um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, and, and if you're not here, it, like it's not happening for you. It's just not. Yeah. Like, nobody's getting songs cut um, from, you know, anywhere else. I mean, you know, New York and LA, but still not even really. Like not, not many country songs are getting written out of anywhere but Nashville. Um, and the only people that are doing it, are they're able to do it from somewhere other than Nashville, have already been here and had their hits. And now they're doing it, you know, remotely, but they're still, they're ingrained, you know, as part of the machine. 
Yeah. And so in reference to country music, because you've always had a little bit of maybe country inspiration, so to speak, Americana inspiration. What are we going to expect from the new album? Similar sounds? Are we taking the sounds to another direction? Well, you know. um, Well. (laughs) Well. uh, No, you know, um, when we started the record, we had uh, signed on with a with a small label, and then when we turned the record in, they did not care for it. They told me to go back to my roots. You know, I was like, "Oh, we, we're excited for you. Yeah, go back to your roots, do your thing." And as it turned out, like my roots were, you know, Madonna and the Bangles. So um, we're gonna have to see what what everybody thinks. Um, and like, you know, and like '80s rock, you know, '80s like arena rock. So, um, so yeah, it's like it's definitely gonna feel a little different. Like, you know, when you when you put the first track on, it's gonna be like, what's going on? But uh, but I think uh, you know, I think if everybody gives it a chance, it's um, it's six songs. It's twenty minutes, um, and I think uh, it's gonna be you know, like I don't know. I'm really proud of this. So, uh, you know, I hope that people don't just, you know, look, look at me like an alien. Like, where the hell did this come from? But, you know, they said, uh, take it back to my roots. And, and uh, they, they assumed that meant something different, I guess. Well, I think it's going to be interesting, the juxtaposition of the, the name of the band, Southern Gothic. And then we're going to have, we're, we're going to say 80s arena inspired rock. Yeah, but it's still it's still that alternative thing. I've just added this. I've added something else to the stew. It's not like uh, you know I didn't change the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just you know I found I found you know some new ingredients that I like and uh, you know applied liberally. Yes, I like that. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what everybody thinks. Uh, you know, uh, but I I do you know. Uh, the early, the early verdicts, the early reviews that I'm getting back are people are positive about it. And, um, you know, um, I really connected a lot this year with that, uh, um, that Maggie Rogers song, Leave the Light On. Um, Cause it's all, you know, all about how like some people are not going to dig what she's doing now. You know, she's changed and, and, uh, you know, she's going to do her thing. And if people don't like it, she's okay with it. You know, she's okay with losing the fans and nobody ever wants to lose fans and nobody ever wants, you know, someone to be like, Oh, they used to be good. But um, at the same time, I'd rather that than to not grow and not evolve and not, you know, continue to explore what, what I'm about and what I can create, Mm -hmm. you know, all that. So then for someone like me, which I'm assuming you're going to send me the, like an early link so I can listen to the new I actually album. thought I had. I'm so, so sorry. I didn't realize I didn't. <laughs> well, that, would have, that, would have been, that would have been so much cooler. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, this is actually going to be fun. So we're going to play a game where, you know, New Hometown is, you know, my, my favorite album and my favorite song that you've done. Um, with that being said, if that is my favorite Connor Christian song, what song from the new album should I listen to first? Um, I actually say the first song on the record, which is Villain. Okay. Villain? Villain, yeah. Okay. So I think that's, 
you know, that's a good stepping stone. And I think the first single that we put out, Ain't Gonna Lie, that's, you know, that, that, that feels a little like our, like our old stuff. Um, but I think that villain feels more like New Hometown, the song. Okay. So. All right. Well, I'm going to listen and I'll give you my, uh, yeah. my feedback. <laughs> no, yeah. And I promise I'll send you that link when we're done. I hate, hate that I didn't. Um, that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, getting into, yeah, yeah. Just, just now, uh, just now starting kind of, you know, firing it up and, and calling all my podcast friends and getting, getting out there. And, uh, I gotta, I gotta get better at it. Gotta, gotta send out my, my goodie bag early. You know what? It's okay. We're honestly, I keep telling myself, I'm like, if, if this is the worst thing that happens, we're going to be okay. You know? And I'm like, you send me the link after this recording. I'll listen to it. I'll put some notes in the blog post about the songs because this will definitely come out before November. And so, yeah, we'll do like a little write-up of the album and we'll do the podcast link. So it'll be like a two-in-one little... That was my plan all along. (laughs) Double double covered. There we go. That's what we'll do. So then we're... uh, The last question, because I did preface it before we started the recording, um, give you some time to marinate on it and so what is i'm i we can say the southern gothics entrance song but i also kind of know want to know what connor christian's entrance song is um well i will say as, as far as the southern gothic um uh one night at the old peach tree tavern I, I don't think it's still there anymore but uh one night um Bradley called me, the owner called me at like five o'clock and he's like, Hey man, we're sold out for tonight. And that was the first time we sold out Peachtree Tavern. And so I went and downloaded Flight of the Valkyries um, and had them play that as we took the stage in this like dive bar. And so uh, uh, <laughs> to me, um, yeah, to me, that's kind of, uh, um, yeah, that's kind of apt, you know, little you know because you know we're uh you know we're we're always been kind of a little tongue-in-cheek and i think that that's uh you know i think that's a good good one for the band i I was i was gonna say that um that was that was my answer that i've been thinking of so now we need one for me specifically um or maybe there's a song that is there like a song you've had on repeat lately just for you um Really, uh, that first Rust and Kelly record, the entire thing. Um, but uh, but I say Faceplant. I think that's that that song. Um, you know, uh, man, that whole record though. Um, Big Brown Bus is another one. That's a little mopey for entrance music. So mm-hmm. um, so uh, I'm gonna stick with Faceplant then. By Rust and Kelly. Yeah, love it. We'll put that link in the blog too, just so everyone can hear it. And you know, he. I've heard really good things about that album too, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it. But he, he just put out a new one, and you know when one of your favorites puts out a new record, you got to listen to it several times. So I'm only like I'm on listen number three right now. Um, you know, cause, you know, you just want that extension. You just want it to be like continue on from the last record. And so then they take a step, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. okay, okay, you know, and you know, listen, take a breath, and you know, listen through. <laughs> Uh, yeah um but i uh okay now that i've had a second to think about it i think i'd like to change my personal entrance music to genghis khan by mike snow 
All right. That's, that feels like that's entrance. That's, that's how you make an entrance. Yeah. Um, this plant is, is great, but you got to like slump in the room a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, Genghis Khan, just like all, all the bravado and ugliness, just fucking. <laughs> we'll take it. I mean, you know, got some personality to it. It's perfect. So then how do people find you? How can people support you, follow you? We need all of the handles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the easiest thing is to hit our website at thesoutherngothicmusic.com. Um, on Instagram, we are at thesoutherngothic. Uh, Facebook, we are thesoutherngothic. You know, facebook.com slash thesoutherngothic. We are... Um, we are still at Connor Christian on Twitter because you can't fit the Southern Gothic and someone else has Southern Gothic and they've tweeted twice, but won't give up the handle. Um, Who are you are. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I honest, to, to be honest, like, I'm just thinking they don't, they don't uh, log in. So they just haven't ever seen any of our messages. But you think after like a certain number of years, Twitter would be like, all right, this one's abandoned. Now this is forever. So uh, anyway, we're at Connor Christian um, on Twitter, at the Southern Gothic on Instagram, um, and uh, here in about yeah, actually next Monday week. Well, I guess it doesn't matter uh, what date it is today, but um, yeah. So when you're listening to this, you can go to uh, any of those places and, and get links to the others. Um, we're gonna finally open our SoundCloud. It's been private forever because we have kept demos on there for each other and stuff like that. But we're gonna finally open that up and um, give people some some sneak previews of the of the tunes. Um, we're gonna be uh, posting a whole lot of new stuff and little videos. And um, I'm gonna sit down with some of the songwriters um, that I wrote these songs with and kind of do some duets of these songs and release those one at a time, talk about what we were thinking about when we wrote it sort of bluebird cafe style, just, you know, everything to, uh, you know, get people, uh, you know, excited about, uh, burning moonlight. Hell yeah. Uh, so what, what are your final words? What's, uh, what do you want to leave everyone with? Do you have anything you want to tell the people before we sign off? Oh man, I'd, uh, I I would have looked up some like uh, some real <laughs> quotes beforehand. Uh, no, I don't have anything to say. I sure appreciate you having me on, and uh, I hope everybody will check out the Southern Gothic and the new record. And um, you know, hopefully one day I will get to be back in Charleston, back in Atlanta, and uh, and play music for some people. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do an actual like full on concert with uh, a little, little tiny. Uh, little tiny audience for the CD release and, and uh, we'll put it up for everybody to everybody to tune in and send us, uh, send us their comments and, and check out the new album that way. Definitely. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Connor. I appreciate it. All right.